Okay. So last week I preached from Luke 12, 35, if you remember, the uh, servants who got rewarded. Do you remember I said that uh, I started off saying that um, the servants who served, Jesus was saying, if you've served, if you've been out serving the field, don't expect to come in and be served, but come in, get ready and serve again. But there were some servants who got served. The master said, I'll, I'll gird myself and serve them. And those were the servants who hopefully you'll remember, but I'll remind you, or whatever, I've written it down so I haven't forgotten, if you see what I mean. But they were firstly dressed and girded for action. If you remember, I said they'd got rid of the trip hazards in their life, dealt with the things that would trip them up. Um, I look, I have to look at, they had their lamps alight, which speaks of the Holy Spirit being full of the Spirit, regularly full of the Spirit, and, and moving in the Spirit. And then they were awake, alert, and... What, what, what? Watching. That's good. I couldn't remember that word. I kind of said to look. Well, I'm watching. So that, that was great. Now, on Monday, I went to, um, we had a, a, a meeting for the stewards, but that was just before a gentleman called uh, Surprise Sutoli, uh, who Bob knows quite well, uh, from uh, South Africa, but ministers in Mozambique and all over. You know, he's seen people raised from the dead. He's an amazing man of God. He came to City Church, and a lot of people went and listened to him. And he stirred something in me um, that I want to preach from. So if you recognize bits of this, Andrew and Connie, please forgive me. Uh, but, you know, it, it did stir something in me. And during the worship, uh, God was sort of just talking to me a bit about it before, before he got up to speak. So I'm, I'll go on to that in a minute. But I've just been thinking about the time of exile for the Jews. If you remember, the Jews had to go into exile because they didn't keep the laws that Paul was talking about there. They didn't keep God's laws. They didn't honor him. They went their own way. And so they had to go into exile. And the Babylonians, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, they, they were taken into Babylon. Um, and we have that famous Boniem song, By the Rivers of Babylon, I Lay Down and Wept. You know, it's a psalm, isn't it? But we, perhaps if you're my age, you perhaps remember it. If you're not my age, you've probably never heard of it. And you wonder what on earth I'm going on about. But anyway, but it was an interesting time. And that word interesting is interesting. You know, we put inverted commas around interesting, don't we? Say, oh, it was an interesting time. If someone says, oh, I had an interesting time, you think, hmm, what was going on there then? So it was an interesting time. Um, the culture of the lands they were in was totally against their own culture, their, their walk with God. You know, they were in a land of other gods. They were in a land where people didn't know about uh, our God, their God. They didn't honor him. And so the temptation was to, to, to bow down to the other idols and just live differently. But also, there was enemies. There was always enemies. The Jews always had enemies, particularly at this time. People who wanted to destroy them. Destroy individuals, destroy the whole nation. Um, and we, you know, some of the stories from that time, we know some of the stories, don't we? They're, they're great stories. Daniel, um, he was uh, promoted to be high in the land. He was... Uh, he was from, from Israel. He was brought across in the exile. But God basically gave him favor in the eyes of the king. And he was promoted and he was involved in the political sphere. But he had enemies, people who didn't like him, people who were jealous of him. And if you remember the story, they uh, made a law, got the king to make a law that anybody that prayed to any god or king, king apart from their own king was going to be thrown in the lion's den. Okay? Um, and so Daniel carried on as before. He went into his room, opened the windows toward Jerusalem, 
and prayed as he did before. He got caught. Because actually they'd realized there's nothing we can get against this man apart from about the law of his God. You know, he's blameless. That's fantastic, isn't it? Oh, that we would be the same at work or wherever. We can't find anything against them apart from their Christians. They're so good at their jobs. They're so faithful. They're so honest. They're so righteous. We can only kind of catch them out because if we say don't pray, they'll still pray. Oh, to be those people. Yeah, we can be. So we know the story. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den uh, in there all night and the angel came and shut them out of the lion's and the king, it was Darius, I think, um, didn't sleep a wink because he was worried. He, you know, he got himself caught by these guys. He didn't really want to throw Daniel in there, did he? Got himself caught. He went early on to see what happened. And Daniel said, don't worry, oh, king, I'm fine. They hauled him out, and all the enemies that had been against him were thrown in. And before they reached the bottom, the lions were cracking their bones. So it wasn't that they weren't hungry. They were jolly hungry for the right people which were the enemies of the Jews who were trying to, and it was only because they were against him. It, they would, it wouldn't have happened to them if they hadn't decided to step up and try and destroy him. And that's often the case, isn't it? We think, oh, God's so vindictive. But it's, you know, if you, they hadn't got and tried to destroy the people, they might not have got in trouble themselves. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three more. Rak, Shak, and Benny, if you watch VeggieTales. Yeah, and... Um, they were told that they had to bow, all the Jews were told they had to bow, all the people, in fact, were to bow down to this golden statue when the musicians played. But they wouldn't bow down, but people dobbed them in. Always someone to dob you in, isn't there? Always someone to dob you in and, and tell on you. Um, and so they were brought before the king and said, right, well, into the fiery furnace, unless you'll bow down. And they said, I have written it down, so I need to read it. It said, our God, who we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace and deliver us out of your hand. But if not, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image. That's amazing, isn't it? Actually, it did strike my, you know, my carnal mind said, well, they wouldn't be able to anyway because they'd be burned. But that was the heart anyway. We won't bow down. We won't bow down. If you throw us in the fire, we still won't bow down. We still won't worship. They're looking very serious at me, actually. <laughs> and God delivered them out of the fire, didn't he? In Esther, you know the story of Esther? We have Esther with us this morning. Good to see her. I remember I've preached this one before, actually, and her, when her mum and dad were here, and they were very pleased because they called her Esther. They liked the name Esther, didn't they? So Esther, there was another plot. There's always a plot against the Jews. And the jealousy of one man, Haman, yeah, against another man, Mordecai, meant he made a plot to destroy the whole Jewish nation. I mean, that's massive, isn't it? I mean, one man's jealousy to destroy the whole nation. I'm no good at numbers. You know when people come and they say, oh, well, there's three million and four to the power of ten. I, it just makes me go, I can't, I, can't, I can't compute numbers. But it was a massive amount of people that were going to be destroyed because of one man's jealousy, because... He was jealous, that, and it's because Mordecai wouldn't bow down and worship him, honor him, as the king had decreed. So he, you know, he got all shirty, if you like, and I'll let you read the story. And so this decree went out to destroy all the Jews. But God had been ahead. God had been ahead. He'd done things that meant 
that when this came about, there were already the preparations in place to sort it out. So Esther, a little orphan Jewish girl being brought up by Mordecai, was made queen. Yeah? And also, um, Mordecai, Mordecai, I, I struggle with that name. So if I, and I, I'm worried that I'll start saying Melchizedek or, you know, one of these other M's. So if I do, I'm only talking about this one guy, yeah? So just bear with me. Just bear with me. So Mordecai uh, had already saved the king from a plot and had been written down in front of the king that Mordecai saved his life. So it's almost like, you know, the, 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 the fail safe, if you like, was already in place when Haman brought about his, uh, about his plot on a certain date, and he'd been throwing the lot, hadn't he? A lot of lots, almost every day, until he came to the right day. And he was going to allow everybody to rise up against the Jews and destroy them throughout the kingdom. That's something like 127 um, areas, or I forget what they call them, but provinces or whatever. Yeah, thank you for the heckle there. Um, so, when the plot became evident, when Mordecai heard about it, he started to wear sackcloth and ashes. But he sent to Esther to say to Esther, I want you to go into the king and plead on behalf of your people. Easy. Yeah? Easy job. Because she's a queen. So she's got, you know, to flutter her eyelashes and do her lady thing. Um, you know, twist his arm. I don't know. It's possible, isn't it? But there was a problem, wasn't there? The problem was, anyone that went into the king uninvited, it was at the pain of death. Unless he did the scepter, put his scepter towards you, and then you had his favor. And she said, I've got a problem. I can't go into the king, because anyone who does is going to die, unless he does that. And he hasn't I haven't seen him for 30 days. He kind of got a bit of an issue, this king. I think he was a bit grumpy, wasn't he? You hadn't seen anybody for 30 days, and if you went into his presence, you were going to get chopped. Unless he, you know, so he obviously liked his um, privacy. Bit of an introvert, we might, we might say. Bit of an introvert. I don't think we, even in the church we've got anyone quite that introverted, uh, unless we've never seen them. <laughs> Maybe we've never seen them. There's three of them, and we've ne- we don't know who they are. We've never seen them. But anyway... I was just wondering, what are the circumstances? What are the circumstances in your life that are like this? Intangible, intransigent, or whatever. That that don't change. You see, we none of us face quite this problem, do we? None of us quite face uh, getting killed if we try to go into the king. None of us quite face that. But we all face issues, don't we? You all face problems, things that, you know, I've got a bit of a problem. I used to, when I was still working, just before I left, my boss used to say, it is what it is. Okay, I thought that was quite cool, quite a cool phrase. It is what it is. So whenever something, we say, oh, the coffee's cold this morning. Oh, well, it is what it is. Um, you got um, vegetarian for tea. Oh, well. <laughs> It is what it is. Sorry, Rachel. <laughs> I'm sure it's lovely. And I eat it as well. So, <laughs> But it is what it is. It's a horrible, horrible phrase. It's not in the Bible. It's in the anti-Bible. I don't know if you can have an anti-Bible, but things that are definitely not in the Bible. 
And I'm only going to allow you to say it. It is what it is if you say at the end, but it ain't what it's going to be. It is what it is, but it ain't what it's going to be. Yeah? Because there's no situation, no person that cannot change by the power of God. Yeah? So, Esther, bless you, it is what it is. No. It's a very serious situation. We understand that if you go into the, the king and he doesn't put his scepter down, you're going to die. But actually, you might die anyway. Because this is what Mordecai says to her. He says, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape more than the other Jews. If you keep silent, if you keep silent, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows if you've not come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther faces a situation where she needs to take responsibility. She's going to have to do something. She's going to have to go into the king's presence and speak on behalf of the Jews. And the same for us. In the situations we face that we think it is what it is, but they ain't going to, you know, we think those situations, the situations we face in our family, among our friends, our colleagues at work, in the nation, it's not going to change. It's not true, but we have to take responsibility and stand up and take action. You know, what will Esther do? What would you do in that situation? Uh, the thing is, we know the, we know the end from the beginning, don't we? So we can say, well, it's easy enough. She just went in, and he got the septum. It was fine. But that didn't seem fine to her, did it? We're all in situations where we need to take responsibility. Last night, we went to uh, uh, um, a little meeting and, and dinner uh, with um, a church called the Heavenly Feast, which is in Cherry Hinton. They, they have, um, I don't know if you've come across them, it's a, it's a church that's, that's, that's come out of India. There's 12 of them in the, in the country. But the main uh, man who started the whole thing, his, his name is, and I apologize if I say it wrong, Matthew Kurawala, Kurawila. He's the founder of the Heavenly Vision. We saw some uh, videos last night of him in stadiums, preaching the gospel, being interpreted into the other languages there, seeing people you know, healed a guy on, on a, a paralyzed guy, a lady with cancer, seeing them healed. Um, but he was a, a lovely guy, if you know what I mean. Because he was there and he was sort of talking to us, just sharing his testimony. A beautiful, beautiful guy. And he's actually preaching this afternoon in one of the slots uh, early on uh, with, the, with the Heavenly Feast. It was good. But he has got a message. He, he's carrying a message. And his message is... Um, if we don't take action now, what's going to happen to five generations from now? Okay. I actually think that for England, it's too long 
a thing. But anyway, his message is, we need to take action now for the fifth generation because if we don't take action now, there's going to be no choice for them about Jesus. It's just going to be, there's, it won't be on the menu. It will be Hinduism or, or all these other things. And it's not to be racist or, you know, not to be anything like that. But to say as, to us as Christians, we have to stand up. I, I believe that we need to act sooner, you know. I need to be acting now. Okay, for me, I've got two generations below. So my son and my grandchildren. But I need to be acting now and for the next generation and the next generation. We need to stand up and take responsibility um, for coming generations, don't we? Otherwise, you know, because we won't be here. I won't be here in five generations to preach to my kids. It's got to go down the line, hasn't it? And there's got to be, we, we need the country to be such that people can hear the gospel and can respond, don't we? Pastor Surprise said, because this is kind of a bit of his preach, that as we step into responsibility, we will find his authority. And that's true, isn't it? It's one of those things that we'd love to move in authority, we'd love to move in power, but actually you can't on your bottom. Um, it's actually as you're, as you're moving and trusting God that he'll be with you because he said he would be with us, that he will then move. Jesus said, I will be with you to the end of the age. He said, all authority has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. How much is involved or how much is not involved in all? Funny question, isn't it? <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, all means all. There's nothing not involved in all. Yeah? Nothing not involved. All authority has been given to Jesus. He said, go and make disciples, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, he praised the centurion, didn't he, who understood authority. The centurion sent a message to him saying, basically, come and heal my servant. And then he sent another message saying, uh, I too am a man under authority with servants under me. I said to this one, go, and he goes. This one, come, and he comes. Just speak the word, and he'll be healed. He's recognizing, Jesus, you're under authority, but you have authority. You can just speak the word, and it will come about, because you're under God's authority. Yeah? We need to realize that we're under the authority of Jesus. And although we haven't quite seen it yet, we can speak and see things happen. Um, that was tw Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Actually, could you flick it up for me, Jules, and I'll see if I can read it. Awesome. I, I've gone cheating a bit today. I'm going to use the screen. Matthew 28, 20. Oh, yeah. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Thank you. And Ephesians 1, 19 to 23, please. Sorry, this is cheap preaching, using the screen. And, and it's, this is into his prayer. What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might 
and dominion and every name that is named. And then it goes on in Ephesians 2, verse 6, that we've been seated with him. So we're seated with him in the spiritual realms, above all power, authority, names that are named. That's, that's pretty good authority, isn't it? And then finally, Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Again, it's Jesus. talks about Jesus being a servant and humbling himself. And this is, therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the authority that Jesus has is, is, is um, complete, isn't it? It's, it's um, all-encompassing. He has all authority. And he's given that to us. How has he given it to us? The name of Jesus. Because I've been thinking a little bit about, I'm a bit of a pictorial guy, and I thought, think about things like the, uh, the uh, scepter. You know, the scepter's extended towards uh, Esther in the story. You know, that speaks of Jesus, that we have access in the name of Jesus. Yeah, access to the Father through the name of Jesus. But later on in the story, they're given the signet ring to uh, accomplish the work of, of the Father. Uh, sorry, of the, of, the, of the King when, they, when they're able to destroy. Because basically the story trucks on they're able to destroy all their enemies. And all, all the enemies in all these 127 promises are able to rise up and destroy their enemies. So again, the enemies stepped up to try and destroy. Actually, all, all his guys are destroyed. But he's given the signet ring. Um, and if you remember in the story of the um, prodigal son, when he comes back, he gets sandals, he gets a robe, he gets a ring. And I was thinking this morning, uh, you know, about the ring. I, I, Lord, I'd like to have that ring. And it, felt, it was almost like God said, oh, you'd like the ring, would you? Yeah. It's the name of Jesus. It's the authority of Jesus. We have it. We have it. We have it. We have the authority of Jesus. We carry his name. I know Pastor Satoli said, when you step up, you'll, I, I'm not sure whether he said you'll get, but for me, we have that authority. It's when we step up and step in, we see what we've got. It's taking it by faith. The kingdom works by faith. It doesn't work by feelings. If you sit and wait for the feeling, you'll never do anything. But we have to step up into our responsibility and we'll find we already have the authority and it becomes evident in what we do. Yeah? We've been given so much. We've been, we're sitting in heavenly places. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, but it doesn't feel like it. And we are not called to go by feelings. In the olden days, we, they used to talk about fact and feeling and faith, didn't they? I, 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 you're probably too young for all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I think what they were walking along the wall and, uh, you know, f I think it's fact was okay as long as he was looking at faith rather than feelings. I, I can't bubble know the story, but, you know, that was how they used to explain it. It didn't really work very well for me either. But, um, you know, it is about faith. Everything in the kingdom is by faith. We only please God by faith. Don't we? We don't uh, please him by beautiful singing and lovely quiet times unless there's faith involved. Unless we do it by faith. 
Yeah? Esther and Mordecai stepped into their authority and God backed them to the hilt. In fact, not only were their enemies destroyed in every province, and they still celebrate, the Jews still celebrate, I think call it Purim, the Feast of Purim, and they still celebrate it. Mordecai was promoted to be second in command to the king. So far from being, you know, read the story yourself. It's quite interesting. You know, this guy Haman makes this massive gallows to hang Mordecai on, 50 meters high or something. Would it be 50 meters? Anyway, I'm not very good with numbers. You know that. Um, but he himself was hung on it. So the plan he made for, for the man of God, he got put on himself. And that's always the case of the enemy. Whatever he plans against you, God will use it against him. No weapon formed against us will prevail, but it will refute every tongue that's, that's formed against us, won't he? So we need to step up into our responsibility. Um, and, and as we look around the, the country, as we look around our families, as we look around our, our lives, we see the need for God to move. And we think, you know, we think it is what it is. It's too hard. God will never do it. But there's a guy called Robert Morrison. Does anyone know? Does any, do you know him? 1805? It was kind of <laughs> a bit before your time. Yeah, Robert, sorry, 1807, I apologize, Bob, You're a, bit, a bit later than I thought. Robert Morrison was the first Protestant missionary into China. There have been uh, Roman Catholic ones there before, 1807. During the voyage, the captain of the ship, because obviously it took them forever. They didn't just fly to Canada in six hours. They took months to get to uh, China. To um, He said, do you really expect to make an impression on the idolatry of the great Chinese empire. Do you really expect, how are you? And he said, no, sir, but I expect God will. It's famous, isn't it? I didn't know that was famous, but yeah, yeah, God, Bob knows it, yeah. And, you know, for this guy, Robert Morrison, it was really slow progress. It was seven years before he baptized his first convert. You know, and it was really hard won. But if you look at China now, 200 years on, the, the growth of the church under intense persecution in this last 60, 70 years. It's phenomenal. And I could tell you the figures, but my head doesn't do figures. But it's massive. It hasn't quite overcome the birth rate yet. But, you know, it's getting on. And, you know, it's just amazing what God has done despite persecution. Maybe because of persecution. They've had to nail their colors to the, to the mass. And so I want to ask you, are we prepared? Are you prepared to stand up? and take responsibility for our children's children, for our nation. <laughs> Roger, do you expect to make an impression on the idolatry and godlessness of the United Kingdom? No, sir. But I expect God will. Yeah? And if we stand up, we don't have to do it all, do we? It's not, we don't have to summon up the power and all that kind of... It's his power. It's his authority. We just need to step up into it. But be, we need to stop being content with the, with the things around us, with the state of our family, with the state of our nation, with the state of our workplace, with the state of our neighborhood, with the state of the church. We need to step up and into our responsibility, trusting that God has given us the authority 
Yeah. It's time to throw off complacency. It's time to throw off just being a, a pew filler. Someone who just sits and listens. It's time to step up. Because if not us, then who? If not now, then when? You know, I'm, I'm 63 now. I know that's not that old, but maybe I've got 30 years left. I've had more than my share. Well, not more than my share. I've had more than I've got left, if you see what I mean. I have to step up. I have to see things change. And, you know, firstly, it's to pray, isn't it? To ask God, God, what do you want me to do? You know, it's not prayer as a, oh, oh uh, Paul, will you lend me a fiver? Well, Roger, I'll pray about it and see what God said. It's not that kind of fob off, you know. It means not, not really, you know. Um, you know, he would never say that. He bought me breakfast yesterday, my man of God. You know, and, um, but, but praying is in the sense of, God, what do you want me to do? What are you saying about this situation? What does your word say? God has given us his word and his spirit to, to help us to make the changes that need to be made. And, and we won't do all the changes ourselves. We just need to step up and let him move. If you remember, last week I was talking about that parable and it was about watching for the master so that we can open the door for him to come in and make a difference. In our family, watching for him to open the door into our family so that he can come in. In our nation, the same as well. Who will respond? Who will respond? Who will respond to be, um, I don't just mean in the meeting, you know, a little emotional, he's, he's G'd me up a little bit, to, but who will respond in life to be those who will, to recognize that we have been born again. We've been born, we've been born again for such a time as this. I know we can bandy that around and you've heard it a lot, but it's true. And a lot of the things we hear a lot and we just go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to stop thinking, oh, yeah, 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 and think, yes, that's the truth. If I live by it, it will work. If I am cynical about it, I think I've seen that before, I've heard that before, they only want my money, blah, 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 blah. All the things we say, it won't work. We need to step up and believe God because that's the only way things will work. The only way things will work. Not about special plans and all the rest of it. He may give us a special plan. But we are born again for such a time as this. We are here for such a time as this. If you don't like that, complain to him, not me. Yeah, because he's the one that did it. <laughs> he's the one that's put you here and in, in this place at this time. And we need to seek him to say, Lord, what do you want me to be doing? What do you want me to be saying? How can I change things under your authority, under your anointing? At the end of his preach, Pastor Surprise was talking. Actually, he used some of the verses that I used last week, which is, I thought, oh, he's been listening to my sermon, not me just listening to his, um, from Acts 3 and 4. But he was talking about the disciples, Peter and John, how they saw the, bold, the confidence of the disciples. They realized they were uneducated men, but they'd been with Jesus. That's what they recognized. And he was saying to us, you need to pray for boldness. Remember that at the end of the Acts where they prayed for boldness and the whole house was shaken. They prayed, God, give us boldness, signs following. That's what we need to pray for as well. So I would like us all to stand.
please. I'm just going to pray. And if you want to be involved in my prayer, well, just be involved on the inside, yeah. So it's, a, it's up to you. I don't really want to see what you're doing because this is not just a response for a meeting. This is a response for life. Um, a change in a sea change. Some of you are living it, and that's great, but it's a sea change. Father, I thank you that all of us were born for such a time as this. Thank you, Lord, that if we step up into the responsibility of, of that, you, that, you're, that you're asking us to for, for people around us, our, our family, our friends, our nation, thank you that your, your authority is already ours. It's already available. And as we step up and step out, we will find it. Lord, I just pray that you will convict hearts, Lord, that, it, that people will be really uh, aware of the areas that they need to step up into, the things they need to pick up. And Lord, for those who are willing, I ask for boldness. Lord, give us boldness to step up, to pray, and then to act. Lord, thank you for Esther, that she went in, in great trepidation, probably, to the king's presence and received that scepter. Thank you that in Christ we can all come to you. There's no doubt about our excess in you. But Lord, we come and say, give us boldness, Lord. Help us to step up into the things you want us to step in, into. Lord, we recognize that it is what it is. It's such a lie, Lord. And we say things aren't as they're going to be. And Lord, use us to change them to what they should be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.